welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, July 8th, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Today, we are sitting down with Dr. Neil Anderson, as well as Mike Edwards and Tarun Maragaram to celebrate the life of Isaac Managaram. Isaac and Tara are dear partners of ours in Chennai, India, and Isaac went to be with the Lord uh, in June after struggling for uh, many weeks with COVID-19. And this has been a very tough time for our staff and obviously for his family. And we wanted to take this opportunity to honor the life of our dear brother, Isaac Managram, the work that he has done for so many girl children in India and in Sri Lanka and the partnership that we have had with Isaac over these many years. But before we hear from these brothers, I want to remind you that the Run for One is coming up. This is Lifeline's ninth annual 5K and one mile fun run. It will be August 29th in various locations with a run where you are anywhere you like component. Proceeds go to our strategic orphan care ministry unadopted in the 16 plus countries where we partner. And so by running for one on August 29th, either in person or where you are, we'll actually go to support staff Steps Home, the ministry that was started by Isaac and Tara Monogram, who we honor today. And you can register to run at Run for One, the number 5K.org. Again, that's Run for One, the number 5K.org. Register today to support Unadopted, our strategic orphan care ministry, as we seek to make disciples of orphan and vulnerable children around the world. Well, thank you again for joining us for the Defender Podcast. And today we are so honored to be able to honor a dear brother, friend, and partner in ministry, Isaac Monogram. And as we have detailed through so many things in Lifeline, our dear brother went home to be with the Lord after struggling for several weeks with COVID-19. Isaac was a man of great faith, a man of great integrity, a man of hard work, and a man that certainly served the Lord in so many different ways Uh, in Chennai, India, in the United States, and really uh, his impact has been felt throughout the world, uh, especially in uh, the continent of Asia and in Sri Lanka and in India. And so today we are joined by uh, three very special people who are going to help us explain and honor our dear brother. Uh, The first is his son, Tarun. Uh, and we are so honored to have Tarun here. Tarun is 20 years old. Uh, he is in school in Chennai. Uh, Tarun is a, is a truly blessed young man, uh, the, truly a pride of his father. Uh, I know that for the last two years, even his dad took him under his wing uh, to show him the ways of ministry and the ways of business. And I know that those were special times for both my brother Isaac as well as Tarun. We're also joined by Dr. Neil Anderson, uh, who is the, the founder of Freedom in Christ Ministries. He is a pastor and a seminary professor, as well as a best-selling author, uh, including the, the books Victory Over Darkness, The Bondage Break, Breaker, The Step to Freedom in Christ, and Daily in Christ. Um, and so he is now President Emeritus of Freedom in Christ Ministry, and he is formerly Chairman of the Practical Theology Department at Talbot School of Theology. Uh, and he and his wife were married for 52 years before her passing uh, last year. 
We're also joined by Mike Edwards, and Mike is the director of our unadopted programs here at Lifeline, and this is our strategic orphan care ministry. And uh, Mike has had the privilege of working for the last several years with our dear brother, Isaac Monogram. And so certainly today, uh, we are all very grieved by the passing of our brother, but we don't grieve as those without hope because we know uh, that he was that, a brother in Christ. And so he is with Christ today, even as we miss him. And so uh, as we start, Dr. Anderson, I know you had the privilege of giving, getting to work with Isaac for, for many, many years through Freedom in Christ Ministries. Would you just explain a little bit to us about how you got to know Isaac and the man of integrity that you knew him to be? Well, thanks for asking me, and uh, it's just a privilege to be here. I, uh, Isaac and I go back a long way. <laughs> and when I was still teaching at Telvis School of Theology before Freedom in Christ Ministries, uh, really became a kind of a, a world ministry. And uh, I was uh, a prof, and he was an undergraduate student at Biola University, and and we met actually through church, Granada Heights Friends Church. And uh, he struck up a friend with uh, the couple that helped me start the ministry, Jerry and Sally Friesen. And they have been long, long-time supporters of, uh, of, of Isaac. And, and uh, anyway, it, it was just one of those interesting connections. We just kind of grew more comfortable with each other. And then Victor was actually kind of retiring and uh, came back to the States, and Isaac said, Dad, you should read these books. And Isaac did, and he said, India needs to know this, you know, all on our identity of Christ, etc." And uh, so he kind of came out of retirement. We started to make plans, and I don't know, but I think they were essentially planning on possibly staying in the States as a family, but they decided to go back. And uh, I'll never forget that time because – that was really our first international office was in India. And, um, and we went back because Victor had, you know, a good reputation in India. He'd actually translated for Billy Graham at a crusade one time. And, and I think was uh, very high up, if not the leader of youth for Christ. And so the first experience I really had with an international office was in Chennai. And it was a, they call it a cons conference. I don't even remember what that stood for, but it was itinerant preachers that were coming together and, and, and here to launch a ministry. We not only had Victor, but we had something like 500, you know, missionaries essentially assembled, and I was uh, the devotional speaker for it. And so that really launched our book. And, and actually through another fascinating association, Victory Over Darkness was one of my first foreign translations. And uh, so... It was, it was a really a very, very good beginning. And I think at the time, you know, it was assumed that Victor would last, you know, for maybe a few more years. Sadly, after four years, you know, Victor went to be with the Lord, and, and the mantle kind of fell on Isaac. And so Isaac was really there at the very, very beginning. And uh, that went on for, gee, just, what, 30 years, <laughs> something like that. And, mm-hmm. and um, so I've, I've had a, a lot of visits there. Um, mostly managed to keep from getting sick. And mm-hmm. um, Dave Park, who was, uh, did our youth work for a number of he was there a number of times. And so uh, because of Isaac, we uh, set up our, our home ministry in Sri Lanka and many other places. Uh, so it goes back in real rich memories for me. Uh, Isaac and Terry, you know, you look at uh, Steps Home. Well, where did that come from? Steps to Freedom in Christ. I think one of the more memorable times we had our international meeting 
in Chennai one time, and 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 uh, he opened up a conference. We had a, a limited venue, so I think we could only have like 200 people at this hotel. But one of the more interesting parts about it was was that 14, I think it was, Mother uh, Teresa directors uh, all came with Father Sebastian. I mean, it was kind of a, out of the blue for me. Well, Father Sebastian was handpicked by Mother Teresa to uh, oversee all of their works, and Father Sebastian had really kind of found his freedom through our ministry, and so he showed up with all these, you know, Mother Superiors, and um, and a lot of, of course, the evangelicals walked in and said, who's that, and what are they doing here? And uh, we ended up with a, I think, a uh, the Stift of Freedom in Christ Catholic edition by Neil Anderson with Father Sebastian. So that was a very memorable experience, and uh, but he turned out to be a dear brother, and and so I, I just have so many fond memories uh, of that time. I think probably one of the more interesting ones for me was, uh, I think the last really overseas trip I had was to Sri Lanka before my wife came down with dementia and I had to stay home and take care of her. But going to Sri Lanka was really fascinating because there was still a civil war going on. And, um, and of course, who was the civil war between? It was between kind of the native population of Sri Lanka and uh, uh, the Tamil Tigers, I think they called them at the time. And they were basically pushing the Tamil into the sea. And so about six weeks before we got there, the war basically ended after 20-some years. I forget how long it was. But, of course, Isaac was Tamil, and so was his dad. And his dad originally was from Sri Lanka. And so as we came into town, I, I think there was something like about 16 or 18 or so military checkpoints between the airport and the hotel. And, of course, with Isaac being Tamil, this was rather exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so here we were, I think it was Assembly of God Church, probably about the largest church in Sri Lanka. And uh, I had the privilege to speak at three services, and one was in Tamil, one was in Sinhalese, and one was in English. And I had the privilege to speak on forgiveness and reconciliation. And I remember the retired pastor, his son had taken over, heard the second message. He said, is he going to speak that in the third session? <laughs> <laughs> so those are exciting times. It, it really, it, I think we had 900 people at our conference, but the country was kind of war-torn at that time and, and was looking for just uh, let's get on with life kind of an experience. So, you know, sharing that time of my life with Isaac over those years was my memory of Isaac to be honest with you was this kind of larger than life gentle kind kind of a person probably never had an enemy in his life you know <laughs> how could you not like Isaac you know it was so good memories and thankful for the many years that he directed our ministry there in in uh, Chennai and throughout India so you know uh, sadly, you know, coronavirus, you know, took one of our dearest friends. Mm. Dr. Anderson, I, I know that Chennai and India was kind of the launch of Freedom in Christ Ministries globally. How many countries has Freedom in Christ served in now? Well, we've had, uh, we're in about 40 countries. We have offices in 40 countries and then, you know, some representation and many more, but I would never have guessed years ago when Isaac came on board that our ministry would have expanded like that. I thought maybe China or India was, was 
you know, well, it's the first and probably the only, but nobody's more surprised than me. And so it just continues to go. And our first two books, Victory Over Darkness and The Bondage Breaker, I have uh, been on the bestseller list now for 30 years. And last two years, I just released a brand new edition of those. And very unusual for an author to be able to rewrite his first two books and see him go around the world like that. So another 60 books followed, but those two have been the, the link, you know, to what is going on around the world. And the major issue is, is that we have to realize we're all children of God, at least true believers are, and that we can be free from our past if we will simply repent and believe the gospel. And so Isaac was a part of that, and we're very thankful for it. Amen. Well, Tyrone, I know you have a unique relationship with our brother Isaac because not only was he a brother and a uh, mentor uh, and uh, someone that you learned ministry from, but he was also your father. Uh, talk about just the impact that he had on your life. Oh, uh, it's just thinking about everything that Uncle Neil said and, you know, it brought back a lot of memories. Oh, wow. Um, impact that my dad had on me. Where do I start? I think uh, the first thing he taught me would have been the gift of love, if that makes sense. What do I mean by that? So I remember hearing the story of how I was adopted and how the adoption process happened for Satara. And uh, my mom was all for it in the beginning, but I'm pretty sure all of you have heard the story, but uh, Jerry Friesen, my dad's, uh, my, my dad's mentor, he had to have a sit down with dad and, you know, convince him that adoption was a good idea and that he should go with it. And so, when they adopted Sitara, I think that was the first thing that, you know, to give a child that isn't yours, because that was his mentality. How could I take someone else's child and raise it in my house? I think that was literally what he wrote in his autobiography. That was one of his questions. I think he told my mom, you can start a home, but no kids come to our house. And to see 20 years later, him needing the girls in our house more than my mom, <laughs> really shows how time changes. So him adopting me, adopting my sister, showing these girls that he cared, I think that was one of the first things he taught me. It was love to give it. And he was a very selfless man. I think that's one thing that everyone, you know, they don't underplay it, but I think that's one of his biggest qualities. My dad was very selfless. I never realized how much he did for me until the day he passed away because I don't know how to pay my bills. I don't know how to run the house. I don't know how to run the home. I don't know who he owes money to. I don't know who owes us money. And he just took everything on his shoulder. And uh, I think the his passing really, you know, hit that switch from boy to man, if that mm. makes sense. So the second thing he taught me would have been to follow my dreams. I think that's one thing he did, regardless of what anyone told him. So I remember, as uh, Uncle Neil said, he told me the story about how he read the books and wanted to share those books with the world. And so that was a big step to start a Christian, to start Sitara Music. That itself, in itself, was a big deal because we didn't know if it was going to work. We didn't know what was going to happen. It's such a, it's such a, it's pitch dark. And he was the first person with the with the lantern, you know. So everyone, EM Books and uh, all these other companies had followed. And we were big competitors, even though we were just a small in-house thing in Anunnaka. Mm -hmm. So uh, following my dreams, that's one thing he really taught me. So he always believed in his own dreams, 
when he started steps when he started the step up laundry when he tried to name everything that he started steps and it was really annoying because i kept asking him why keep why do you keep saying steps for everything then he he had to remind me that that was his calling you know god really moved his calling from i want to share the word of god to the people of india i they, they're missing out i need to i need to go out and be that light to i need to save the girl child i think that transition is why he kept naming all of his endeavors steps and uh, i remember when he named uh, when sitara music when i was born and i grew up in sitara music and i was thinking where is tarun something why why don't i get my own name and he was like you you not yet you you start something and you name it tarun or until then it's just going to be sitara so <laughs> that was just my dad he was a fun guy and i think the last thing he taught me he taught me a lot of things so i i just made it into three quick points the next thing is the art of giving mm-hmm. i think that was one of the things that he did best uh the bible says not to brag about what your left hand don't tell what your left hand what your right hand is doing so i'm not going to say that how much he gave or what he did but i know he tried that's all i can say i know he really tried to he gave it his all even uh speculating how he got the coronavirus when everyone was saying stay inside don't come out my dad was on the front line saying tarun drive me here drive me there i wish he drove by himself but it was still another blessing in disguise that i got to spend so much time so i saw him buy 3000 masks i saw him order rice i saw him buy supplies i didn't know for who i didn't know why he was so driven but uh he really loved giving i don't know what and he used to and he'd just be so jolly at home and so i remember the day we finished giving to the orphanages in and around uh, tamil nadu we made like uh, care care packages is that way of saying where we just gave uh, detol supplies and just certain other things and uh, he just came home and he and he was saying you know tara i i really love giving it's it's just a good feeling to give back so giving he used to have these operations uh, i remember my first operation was operation tsunami so uh, that was back when uh, sri lanka got hit by a tsunami i wish i could say i remember when but it's sort of fuzzy because i was really young but uh, i remember he took out uh, took a few of our staff out to sri lanka and we were handing out supplies i think there are a few pictures here and there i'm not really sure they're in the album somewhere but i think that was what his intention was it was to slowly help me understand the art of giving and why because the bible says be a cheerful giver and i didn't you know fully understand that and i i if i'm being honest i i like to give in the sense i'm not bragging in myself i would never do that but if i saw someone so we have beggars come on the street and they'd ask for money and i'd usually give and my dad would always say tarun you're giving away my money and i was like so and he'd be like when you make your own money then you can give it away i'd be like but he, he was joking but you know it was a good thing that he taught me the art of giving and to love and to follow my dreams mm. amen and even as you said those things tarun i i know of times i remember meeting your dad for the first time in 2013 and even to talk about the art of giving he knew me from really just uh, another brother who vouched for me and the next thing we knew we were staying in your home uh and he was laying out the red carpet for us in your home strangers from another world 
but the thing that I was just struck about is so many of the things that you've said, just his love, his kindness. Uh, this is a brother I feel like never met a stranger. Uh, but the thing that I saw that really goes into his art of giving is he was a man that had been given many talents and he certainly sowed those talents in others. And I know that he sowed those talents in you uh, as well. So, uh, Mike, I, I know that, so for you, you have known Isaac the least amount of time of any of us on this podcast, uh, but you got to spend a lot of time in these last several years really uh, developing this new call for Save Her and for uh, just helping the girl child in India. Reflect for a moment on first meeting Isaac and the impact that he has had on your life. Yeah, well, thank you, Herbie and uh, Neil and Tarun. Thank you for the words you've used have just conjured up, conjured up a bunch of emotions for me uh, and thinking about Isaac. Um, I got to meet Isaac uh, in, in Chennai last year. Um, uh, we spent a lot of time before that meeting on the phone, um, and, it, and it's hard to really get to know somebody uh, over, over long distance, but... Um, Going and, and hearing, hearing before I went to India and then being in India, um, the one thing that struck me the most was just his passion uh, for the girl child, for the Save Her movement. I mean, uh, at, at, first, it, it, at first, I wanted to talk about other things. I wanted to talk about myself. I wanted to hear his past. I wanted to hear about India. But the only thing that Isaac was, was ready to talk about was was the girls out in India that needed our help and every plan and every time we talked, uh, it was always about that. It was always about serving. It was always about how do we do more? And, and I think that's, when I think about Isaac, that's the thing that, that really uh, strikes me is that he was very driven uh, with the purpose of, of saving the girl child. And I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that, that we got to meet and, and just uh, I want to be able to take this, this message now and continue that legacy that he's left us uh, in, in helping uh, the, not only the girls of India, but the children of India. I mean, I think, again, Neil and Tarun, y'all hit it on the head when, when you said, I mean, his kindness and his compassion and um, his selflessness. But at the end of the day, when I think about him and, and the impact that he's had on me, it was his, his drive to serve those girls. Uh, he truly, truly, truly loves those girls. He loves Tarun. He, he loves Satara. But uh, more than anything, he just really wanted to, uh, to get people engaged in the Save Her movement. Yeah. One of the things that, that we've talked about for sure a little bit, and, and I, I don't think we've talked about in – uh, true fashion is Isaac was also uh, just loved people um, and he knew people and he was a great connector of folks. Um, you know, I know one of the last things uh, that we got to partner with face to face was just this last uh, year in February of 2020 uh, to start the Save Her conference. And I was so impressed by all of the people who came, not because uh, of, they knew of the movement, but because they knew Isaac and they trusted him. Uh, he, he loved people. He knew people. 
He was willing to, to use uh, his relationships for the, the sake of the cause of a movement. And I know that many people knew Isaac as well from Steps of Freedom in Christ and uh, Freedom in Christ Ministries. Uh, Dr. Anderson, how did you see Isaac's love for people, uh, just the, his, his ability to network? How did you see that grow Steps uh, or Freedom in Christ Ministries in India? And how did that even become a catalyst for how the ministry would spread around the world? Well, I, I think that was really one of his uh, abilities was was networking. Uh, I mean, he seemed to have a lot of connections wherever he went. Again, you know, he was so uh, accepting that that by that very spirit, people just kind of unloaded to Isaac and you know, connected with him. He didn't appear a threat to anybody. I mean, sometimes people get high up in ministry and they 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 come across as like a threat, or I got to protect myself, or got to watch myself. That was he was uh, he was disarming in that sense, mm. but I think really what happened it, it was like I had no problem in this sense all the years that he gave freedom in Christ to end up with what really started with Tara you know having a compassion for these girls, but I just saw that grow over the years in Isaac like and I'd like to think that that Christ within us is really helped him Isaac to find his real niche at the end of life like that. And uh, sometimes you can go your whole life and be a little out of sorts with your calling. But I think genuinely speaking, his ultimate calling was to do this uh, steps home and to uh, care for these girls like that. And so, you know, I know that touched the people's church up in Canada and they really got on board and helped him out a lot and financially along that line. And, and so I, I guess I'm sitting here wondering myself, I said, I know he had a lot of support from the States and Canada. And of course, his brother-in-law helped out a lot, you know, in, in Toronto in that area. But uh, my concern is, is the continuing support. You know, I, I hope that God will open up the windows of heaven and continue to support uh, their work there and what they're doing. So, you know, I, I'm kind of glad in a way the loss that we had of our director in India, but the gain that that uh, a few girls got and and to demonstrate the heart that was really within Isaac, because ultimately at the end, that's where his heart was at. And I said, you got to follow your heart, just like he told his son. And, and that's why I think he ended up where he was at. So, you know, that's good. Amen. Well, Tarun, we know as well, that uh, your dad dearly loved your mom, uh, cared for her, loved her well. Uh, talk about watching your dad love your wife, love your mom well, love his wife well. Mm, what can I say? My dad always used to make the joke, Tarun, if you ever find a girl, make sure she's she better be at least half of what your mother is. So my dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's that. What's the saying? Uh, behind every great man, there's a woman. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is that. I've never seen a more real statement than that. My mom was really his backbone. Uh, in terms of everything mm -hmm. he did, uh, two peas in a pod. Mm -hmm. Uh, they really. My dad had. There's no word that I can put it in, you know. It was just an unconditional love for her in terms of everything that he did. It's uh, it's one thing to 
to just drop everything i remember uh, I, i'm not exactly sure but i remember when he made the transition to starting steps and he was sort of on the fence about it but i remember the conversation going and my mom was like uh, isaac you need to do this and he was just like i trust you and he, you know he just took that leap of faith and started steps so there's nothing my dad wouldn't do for my mom there's nothing yeah. they have never spent time apart the the most crushing part about this last few months was uh the first day first two days that we were at the hospital uh when it was june 29th because that day my dad had to be thrown directly into the isolation ward whereas my mom and i hadn't been tested yet so we only got him tested and uh so what happened was we were we weren't sure if we were positive and well lo and behold we were but so we told them we are positive just let us be with him because he's my dad in in the best way to put it was a big baby he was the baby of the house everyone took care of him it was it was a joint effort he took care of us but it was also vice versa so when it came to that first two days my mother she didn't tell me this i actually overheard her talking to someone on the phone about it she said that she cried the first night she was in that room alone with me we both were in a separate room and he was in the isolation ward we were in sort of like a waiting room where they hadn't decided we were waiting for our test results and she cried that night because it was the first night that they spent apart and uh, she was just telling me you know tarun appa so appa means dad and he was like appa and i have never stayed away from each other and so when we had to send him to the icu and he was just there for about a few days it it was heart wrenching not just because he was in the isolation ward we did get to talk to him for a few days on the phone and video call but just the concept of separation from his family that was a little painful my mom my mom loves my dad dearly how much ever i we always argued about this my i'd always ask my mom mom who's number one and she'd always say me tarun you i always ask ma who do you love more dad or me and she'd say tarun it's you and my dad would immediately like a little 3 year old he would start complaining or crying or he'd say something like a snarky comment and be like you know what dad just keep it it's okay you know what she can love you more it's okay i know deep down she loves me more but for this ben- for the benefit of the doubt you could let's just say it's you so there's just a lot of love you know my dad took my mom everywhere from the the way he proposed to i'm pretty sure you heard the joke about his uh, 15th wedding anniversary the list have you you've heard that joke mm-hmm. where uh, would you marry me again the one question that a man should never ask his wife and so my dad was that guy you know and he he just loved my mom that's all i can say she he took good care of her my mother to this day i'm okay i may be a little bit stingy is that the word i'm just trying to save money now at this point cuz i need to be smart i'm the new man of the house so every morning i switch off the ac uh once we wake up and she comes back after her morning walk on the terrace and she says tarun i'm sweating can we switch on the ac i said ma you you slept with it all night do you really need it and she'd be like isaac would have let me switch on the ac you know why are you being so such a why are you trying to save money so much okay i get it you need to save money but i'm sweating oh your dad would be so upset if he saw me sweating like this so that just shows how much he you know he took care of her and their relationship was really a god ordained relationship from 
being neighbors to high school sweethearts to then getting married and then starting being direct co-directors or business partners in a way and it was just a beautiful collection of things that brought them closer and closer from uh, first adopting Satara then to going to the states together and then just coming back and then doing everything and it was it was a beautiful relationship mm. amen well mike i know that uh, like we said we we've got to participate in the save her conference and i know that was kind of like the next phase from freedom in christ the steps and save her uh and what a what a blessing and sovereignly appointed time that we were able to do that in february before the coronavirus hit and uh before it took the life of our brother uh but how grateful we are that because that has been started it will continue uh talk about the vision of save her and why it was so important to isaac well first of all um just because isaac has passed it it doesn't mean that the movement is over um there are there are millions and millions of 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 little girls and boys uh in india that that are orphaned uh that have no forever family and really uh, our hope with the save her movement is to engage churches with this message that not only do, do these these kids need families but these these kids need christ um we need to introduce these these boys and girls uh to the to the saving love of of Jesus Christ and so um this movement is going to continue long long after all of us are gone um that is our hope that is our desire um with with lifeline we're going to continue to support uh Tara and and Tarun and Satara and and really support the movement and advocate for the movement and and get more churches not only in India but in the US and Canada involved in this movement to to really save the girl child and i love to say it because every time i say that i think of isaac and um he was just so passionate about that statement and and like i said he'd say it over and over and over but every time he said it i knew exactly what he was talking about he was talking about getting the gospel to these kids and uh we want to help be a part of that yeah and So in closing, Dr. Anderson, how has your life been directly impacted in a couple of words by our brother Isaac? Well, uh what's desirable in a man is his kindness. I've shared that for years and uh and, and that's actually kind of the first word that comes to my mind when I think of of Isaac. I think he was just genuinely a very kind person. And Jesus said, "You know my disciples for their love." And I said, "Well, that made him to me the discipler that he was." And uh and so I I'm I'm thrilled that he could uh, uh end his years uh showing that love to kids that are orphans that need Christ. And so we've all been impacted by that. And we just we you know, we can honestly say, "Thank God for Isaac for the life that he lived, the example that he had and for the memory and so that'll continue to serve Tarina and Satara and Tara for many many years i said hang on to those memories um uh Tarun because those memories will serve you well mm-hmm. you know over the years you know it's one of the good things that god gives us is that uh, we kind of forget the hard things in the past remember the good times and uh right now it's all loss but i said beyond that will be good memories of which you'll be thankful for they will serve you the rest of your life
Mike, how would you say that uh, over these last several years, your life has been directly impacted by the life of our brother Isaac? I think uh, seeing uh, Isaac's sense of urgency and passion um, every morning when I would wake up, uh, I would have a voice message from Isaac about some detail, about some uh, some way we were advocating or, or something about a conference. And I could I could count on Isaac every single morning to, to have that voicemail there. And it was he was always going through things in his mind. And, and there was just a sense of urgency that that uh, this save her movement needed to be uh, broadcasted among the churches in India. And um, just just a sense of urgency um, that we need to do it now and, um, and, and really move forward uh, with saving the girl child. Today, or July 6th, would have been our brother Isaac's 51st birthday. Uh, and so we celebrate his life on July 6th. Uh, with so many friends and family members from around the world. Tyrone, uh, you will carry his memory with you for years and years and years. As the lessons that he taught you will become so much more real as you grow older and older. But what would you say is the thing that uh, just has impacted you, not only about the life your dad lived, but about the honor that he has received since going home? Um, I think, wait, can you hear me? Yeah, okay, the mic's open. Um, I really feel that as a dad, he did his best. My dad never gave me anything short of the best. He was a good, good father. Uh, I, I, lit, I literally just finished typing up my chapter in his autobiography this morning. So, you know, it's a lot of information coming from there. And, you know, I'm just overwhelmed with it. And... I feel like a lot of people have been moved by my dad in the sense he was a connector. He he loved to brag to me about how he went to Biola and how he was a communications major. He'd love to start random conversations with uh, people on airplanes. Literally, I'd be sitting behind him or something and he'd just spark up a friendly conversation with someone sitting next to him and I'd and I'd feel so awkward and I'd just be like, why can't you not? Can you just sit quietly for five minutes? Do you have to talk to someone? And he'd be like, Tarun, I'm from Biola University. I have to talk to everybody. And I'd be like, okay, dad, you know what? Just do you. I'm going to take a nap. So my dad, uh, his passing is to me was the switch from boy to man where now I have the responsibility of getting my uh, sister's life on track, the 18 girls, my mom, I have to take care of everything. And just seeing how much he did, but not fully processing it, I think, you know, it, it took me, I feel bad that I didn't help him even, even more. But I'm glad for the memories that we made at the office. We both were the worst set of workers because I would get tired of typing his emails and he'd fall asleep midway. And then when mm. he wakes up, he would start a different sentence. And I'd be like, Dad, so you, you were saying? And he'd be like, what was I saying? And I'd be like, oh, you just said this line. And he'd be like, really? I wouldn't say that. Okay, different line. Let's reword it. And I'd, oh, he was, I'll miss that the most. Just our occasional headbutts with random things. But my dad, 
is and was a great father and i he loved the song good good father by chris tomlin and i think that's the best way that i could put it my dad was a good good father mm. and uh what else can i say it was his final chapter on earth but it was his first chapter in heaven so mm. that's all i can think to cuz my dad knew the gospel and i'm so grateful because uh i think about how 2 million people have recovered from covid-19 and i asked myself the question why couldn't my dad be one of those 2 million and then it hit me because it was just his time god god called him his son and i will never be able to fully understand it but it's okay because he's in a better place and i just have to remind myself that uh he's you know he's with his heavenly father and he's with his best friend his dad mm-hmm. so there are a lot of tributes a lot and he's he really did set the bar high uh he he his his autobiography is called living under the shadow and uh the entire concept of it was he's living under the shadow of victor monogram and i told my mom we shouldn't name it that because uh he set up his own mantle and uh he started his own thing and he he made his own torch my granddad gave him a torch but my dad made his own torch mm-hmm. so that's all i can say about my dad amen and to that end i will say that uh isaac was a man that utilized the torch he was given the gifts that he was given by the father and he sowed those into so many different people uh people in chennai india the people of sri lanka that he loved so dearly uh the people in the united states who he loved so dearly all around places in asia the way that he showed the freedom in christ to 19 girls at the steps home uh to a beautiful daughter satara to a, a an awesome son who he loved and dearly cherished tarun and to his wife who he absolutely adored but our brother isaac like our brother tyrone has said loved the gospel of christ jesus and lived for the gospel of christ jesus to be made known to be made manifest and for it to unlock freedom in so many people that gospel and i am confident that uh, the day that he passed from this life uh, into the arms of the good good father that, that father looked down to him and said well go- well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a little and i will set you over much enter into the joy of your master and so we are for sure know that our brother is with our father in heaven um our good good father and we pray uh that his memory will last for so long in the hearts of his children in the hearts of his wife and in the hearts of the save her movement and in the lives of these 19 girls that call steps home for the girl child home may his memory ultimately manifest in us a glorious response to the great gospel of Christ Jesus. Thank you friends for honoring this dear brother and we thank you for joining us on this podcast. As we close this podcast remembering our friend, our brother and our partner Isaac Monogram, I want to leave you with these words from Isaac that he shared just a few months ago during our Alter 84 Global Orphan Care Conference. I think what has helped for me is because I had the privilege of studying in North America. Uh along the way I came to pick up expectations uh 
oh, this is how an American thinks uh, and how much from the uh, third world countries, how different we are. So you are, uh, sometimes you feel it's top down. So you have a vision and you have a mission and by all means you want that vision and mission to transcend into every culture. I think that's changing. Um, secondly, very linear in your thinking and uh, how you go about. Everything is A, B, C, D, E. We don't think that way. And, and somehow we think God has blessed North America with some fine uh, thinkers and who can do things. And somehow when it comes from North America, the feeling is it's God breathed and uh, that this is what God has shown it to you. But when it comes from India or when it comes from Africa or from China, it's an Indian theology or it's a, a Chinese theology. So how do you meet, uh, come halfway and saying, hey, it's, it's a give and take relationship. And I think it's changing even in the context of globalization. If suppose Ford America wants to come into India, they don't come to set up the whole plant by themselves. So they find an equal partner in India who has the same uh, tool sets and they come and do that. So I think uh, that is changing quite a bit. And I think Lifeline has been a wonderful model. One of the most touching things for me has been even during this shutdown of the whole world is shut down. I have calls from my supervisor, Michael, calling me uh, almost once a week to say, hey, buddy, how are things going? Is everything okay with you? That is the game changer. Once you know that your parent ministry or your partner it really cares for you on an individual level, then ministry and everything flows uh, so easily uh, as an outflow of that. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. Mm-hmm.